through singing. And didn't our uh, praise team do a wonderful job of that this morning? Can we thank them for that, leading us in worship? Uh, Diane, thank you for that. And, and not only that, um, I have been told to never call a particular person out. And, and I might mess up with that every now and then, but there's somebody else we need to thank, all right? And I want to I do that right now. We've got a brand new system up in the sound booth. And, uh, and you know, when things work great, uh, man, we, they never hear anything. But when things go bad, guess what? They hear it. <laughs> Maybe not from you, but, but other churches, they, the sound people out like there hear that, so, and the audio people. So um, thank you all for what you do, whether it's great or not. Um, I appreciate it. And I'm really thankful. I was telling, uh, before the service started, I was telling Diane, I said, I really hope my clicker works today because we're still working on, that, on all that stuff because if not, Amanda's going to be really concerned because I've got like 23 slides. That's a lot. <laughs> But, uh, but don't fret, you'll get out of here in, in enough time. Hey, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me over to uh, Psalms. And we're going to be in Psalms chapter 30 today. And we're going to continue a series that we started last week that's going to be taking us through uh, the, uh, Thanksgiving, really. And we're looking at particular Psalms. And I've entitled this message, Thanks for, Thanks for Giving. And we're going to be looking today at Psalms chapter 30. So be finding that in your copy of God's Word and I will read that text in just a few minutes, but it'll be a while before we get there. There's particular psalms I want us to look at. And the reason I want us to look at particular psalms is because I think they really speak about particular subjects that, um, that I think we need to look at as a church family. Uh, last week, we talked about the subject of peace. Just saying the word gives you peace, right? Let's all say peace. Peace. Does that make you feel good? I hope it does. I hope it does. And then today we're going to be talking about joy. We're, we're talking about thanks for giving. Thanks for giving us peace. And then from Psalms 30, thanks for giving us joy. And then Lord willing, if, if God doesn't change the direction that I really want us to go in, next week we're going to be talking about thanks for giving us hope. And that's going to be the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, I think all messages and all services are great and wonderful, and we need to be prepared to give the, our best to the master. But if you haven't invited somebody to church with you in a while, invite them to be here at church with you next Sunday. And they're going to hear a great message, I hope, on the subject of hope. Um, I would even encourage you, if you're watching from home today, to tell somebody to watch online with you or to tune in online and to, and to worship with us um, over the Internet and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm just excited about not only this message, but the message next week as well. Now, let me tell you what I did a long, long time ago. That almost sounds like I want to sing an old Gene Autry song. Y'all remember him? A long, long time ago. Anyway, some of y'all remember that song. I used to love that record as we decorated our house for Christmas. Steve, I think you remember that by Gene Autry, didn't you? But I'm not going to sing that particular song. But a long, long time ago, I did something that I was not really prepared to do. And I was um, looking and studying about how in the world does a guy that knows nothing about jewelry buy an engagement ring. And I wanted to give Tina an engagement ring, and I wanted to give it to her on Christmas Day, uh, 1992. So like I said, a long, long time ago. It's not that far back, but anyway, it's getting further back as we continue to go forward, right? So I really studied about these engagement rings, and I studied the four C's. You know, y'all know what they are, don't you ladies? Cut, color, clarity, and carat, right? Carat. And I studied on those things, and I went to a place in Augusta, Georgia called the Jewelers Bench. Uh, you know, it pays to know somebody that knows somebody, and, and I knew somebody that owned that store, and, and he just um, 
really took me under his wing. He helped me. He educated me on, on diamonds. And I said, well, this is the type of ring I want based on the cut, color, clarity, and carrot. And um, <laughs> I tell you what, the further you go on carrots, the more they really get. And I did the best I could. I wanted to buy Tina the best diamond I could possibly buy on a salary that was very, very, very small because I'm still in college. So y'all can imagine how small that salary was. But hey, I was working two jobs. Just one payment went to go for my truck payment. So y'all know what I'm talking about. Money, money was really, really tight. So then I was studying all those four carrots, but then there was another seed that I didn't really think about until I had partic- particularly found a particular diamond that I wanted, and that was cost. So there's really five seeds that go into an engagement ring, right? And some of you men know what I'm talking about there, well, that's that last C there. But one of the things they do at the jeweler's bench is they do something like this. Now, in no way, shape, or form is that any of the diamonds that I've purchased, Tina, Great time of day, but I hope you can see that. That's just a really, really beautiful set of diamonds. And one of the things they do at the jeweler's bench in Augusta, which is not even there anymore, <laughs> which is another funny story, but I don't have the time to get into that. But gosh, I really, really want to, but I'll hold myself back. But one of the things that they do at jewelry stores, like the jeweler's bench or wherever, is they take these diamonds and, 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 and they are any type of precious gemstone and they put them on a piece of black velvet. Y'all seen that, right? And it may not be black, it may be, uh, a dark blue or something like that, but they lay all those precious gemstones on there. And the lighting, um, lighting is even in church is very important. And, and the lighting in jewelry stores are, are important as well because the lights shining upon those gemstones that's laying upon that piece of black velvet really makes those gemstones come alive. Y'all agree? I mean, it really just makes those things just like be brilliant and they're bursting out and, and you're thinking, wow. That thing's a piece of, of beauty there. Uh, it, but, but notice that they're on this piece of black velvet, this piece of darkened material. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, to get our transition and our mind off diamonds like that, even though they might be a girl's best friend, let's not think about diamonds anymore. But I've learned that God's joy shines the brightest. At least it's been this way for me, that God's joy often shines the brightest when we're going through darkened situations in our life. Would y'all agree with me that we live in a dark world? I mean, we really do live in a dark world. We live in a sin-plagued world. I mean, all around us, there's suffering. I mean, all around us, there's sorrow, there's, there's death. And, and all of that and more, you know, tells us beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're living in a dark world. But, but I've learned that when Jesus is in our life, and Jesus is in my life, and I hope and praise in your life, but that when Jesus is in our life, no matter how dark the world can be, we can have joy within our heart. So even in our darkest, darkest times, even in our darkest seasons of life, his joy, like those diamonds, just sparkles more bright, uh, brilliantly and, and brightly. What I love about Psalms 30 here is that it's a psalm of contrast. It contrasts a couple of things. It contrasts sorrow and joy. It contrasts God's anger and the favor of God. It contrasts being silent and then giving, giving praise. And all of that is found right here in Psalms chapter 30. So if you look at Psalms chapter 30, if your Bible's like mine, you've got a superscription right there at the beginning of the psalm. And that superscription, this particular superscription was not put there by any contemporary editor, all right? So when you got the King James, it wasn't, you know, the King James, one of the oldest translations. The editors of the King James, and they put the King James Bible together, they didn't put this in there, that superscription. This superscription... (laughs) <laughs> was, was, it's in the ancient manuscripts. It's really going back a long way. And this superscription says, a Psalm of David, a song at the dedication 
of the temple. Now that word temple basically means a home. So what this psalm could be, it could be a psalm that David wrote for the dedication of his home or his palace there in Jerusalem, or it could be something that David wrote as a dedication to this psalm, a psalm of dedication for the home, the temple of God, that Solomon was going to be building a couple of years down the road. But regardless of what it was written or when it was written or why it was written, it's a psalm that talks about the joy that God gives to each and every one of us then and now that are his children. Have I whet your appetite for Psalms chapter 30? I hope I have. So look there with me in Psalms chapter 30 and let's read these verses. One of my favorite Psalms and I bet you know at least one of these verses here. Here's what the Bible says. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but what happens? Joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you. What's it say, church? Forever. Forever. Well, let's pray. Father, um, thank you for an opportunity to preach your word this morning. I pray for each person here. Uh, Father, I pray that you will just um, speak to us as if we were the only one in the room. Have our hearts, have our mind. And Lord, may I not say or do anything that will take away from what you want to accomplish in the hearts of the people you have drawn here to this place today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Speak to us, we pray, in your perfect holy name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Hey, as we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, I want to talk to you about the joy that God gives to each and every one of us that are his children. If you're a child of God, the joy of Jesus Christ lives in you. In fact, just not regular old joy. I'm talking about overcoming joy. Day by day by day by day, God just pours into our life overcoming joy. The thing about joy is this. His joy is greater than our circumstances. And not only is his joy greater than our circumstances, know that joy is different from happiness. In fact, I think I put it up there this way. Happiness depends on circumstances. Joy depends upon Jesus. Now, can I pick on my favorite college football team? They lost again last night. All right, y'all can laugh, y'all can laugh. But they lost again last night. My happiness wasn't depending upon whether they won that game or not. Happiness depends on circumstances, y'all with me? But joy depends upon Jesus. So when Jesus is ruling and when Jesus is reigning in your heart, bad things could be happening to you on the outside, but on the inside, your heart is full of joy because that's where Jesus resides. So let me just give you some reasons this morning. There'll be a couple of them as to why the, the joy of Jesus can just overflow and permeate your life. One God's healing overcomes our deep pain. And when you're, my, when you're going through pain in your life, and if you haven't gone through pain, you will go through pain because this is life, this side of eternity. 
when you're going through a particular season in your life of deep, deep pain, know that God's healing can come and give you joy. And that's the first thing David talks about here. If you've got your Bible still open, look at verse 1. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have, you have drawn me up, right? He's painting a picture for us here. You've drawn me up and you have not let my foes rejoice over me. That's one of the contrasts we see here. That word extol means to do exactly what I just did to you with my emotions. That, that word extol means to, means to lift up. And David is saying, Lord, I'm going to lift you up because you have drawn me up. That word drawn up, it, uh, the, the word picture here that you can think about, it's when you used to go to a well and you draw up water from the well. And that's exactly what David's saying here. He's painting us a picture of where he's been at. He's saying, hey, I really feel like I've been in a pit. Y'all ever been there? He's saying, I really feel like I have been in a well and, and Lord, you have just drawn me up. And because you've drawn me up from this pit, you've drawn me up from this well that I've been in, I'm going to extol you. I'm going to praise you. So what was going on in his life, David was experiencing defeat at the hands of his foes. Man, he had disease going on in his body. David was even pondering his own death. And in all of that stuff, all of that mess going on in David's life, he says, Lord, I'm going to praise you because you are you're lifting me up. You're drawing me up. He says, you're drawing me up so that my foes do not rejoice over me. You draw me up and I've cried out to you, O Lord, and you're, and you're healing me. And that's just in verse 1. And then we come to verse 2 and he says, O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you've healed me. That word healed there means that he was healed in every way, shape, and form that you can imagine. He was healed physically. He was healed emotionally. He was even healed spiritually. And then he says, you brought me up from Sheol. And that word Sheol means the realm of the dead. He's saying, Lord, you have brought me up from the grave and you've restored my life. Surely I was going to perish, but you've restored me. So in every single circumstance, David says, God, you've reached down and you brought me up. And in the deep pain that I was in, in this pit of a life I was living in, you have brought me up and you brought healing. Whenever you hear me through the years say, hey, this is a good word, I think it's a good word, all right? So here's a good word. In fact, I think it's so good, I've got it on the screen for you this morning. The arm of God is long enough to reach you in your pain, and it's strong enough to raise you up from your pain. That was David. Y'all agree with that? I mean, that's exactly what David had went through. The arm of God is long enough to, to reach you in your pain, and the arm of God is strong enough to raise you from your pain. So when you're hurting the most, Know that you serve a great God who's strong enough that he can reach down to you and he can raise you up and he can bring joy into your life. The question is this. Now listen, the question is this. In your pain, are you going to run to him or will you run from him? You know, so many of us have been blessed with kids. And uh, that's one reason why I like the shoe boxes here. And, um, and I know when Sarah was born, I'm like, what do I give a little girl? It was really easy for me to to. to to buy presents, toys like that for my boys because I once was a boy, right? And to this day, this sounds really odd, to this day, Trey, I love looking at Matchbox cars and Hot Wheels. I think they're the coolest thing. That's, that's what I play with as a kid all the time. So y'all, that's what we, one of the things we put in our shoe boxes for three boys was, was Hot Wheels. Now think about when your kids were little. When your kids were little, or maybe a grandchild even now, if they were to, to trip up over their own two feet, right? That happens, right? Can I just be honest with you? There was a time in first grade. Y'all remember what I told you I wanted my nickname to be years ago? Yeah, Hot Rod. Thank you, Trey. Trey was listening. Hot Rod. That's right. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I had on a fake leather jacket because I'm in first grade, all right? Man, I can't believe I'm telling you all this. I'm too transparent sometimes, Rep. But anyway, first grade, going to lunch, tripped over my own two feet, broke my front two. <laughs> that don't sound like a hot rod, does it? No, no, no. But I'm telling you what, if your kid trips over his front, his, his own two feet and skins his knee or breaks a tooth or what have you, and they cry out for mama and daddy, what's mama and daddy going to do? They're going to run to them. And they're going to take care of them. They're going to bandage up that skit knee. They're going to love on them. They're going to comfort them. And that's what God does if we would only cry out to him. And some of you this morning might be going through physical pain that nobody else knows about. You might be going through an illness this morning. You might be going through a pain because of a relationship that's broken. Or maybe that relationship's somewhat strained. You might be going through pain this morning that nobody ever even knows about, but you're, you're going through this pain and you're worried about it and it's just plaguing your mind and you cannot think of anything else other than what you're going through in this season in, of your life. I, I promise you this, if you run to God in your pain and you cry out to God in your pain, you've got a heavenly father that will come to you because that's his character. And more than anything, he wants us to experience his joy. But then uh, secondly, know that not only does God's healing overcomes our deep pain, God's favor overcomes his righteous anger. He's a God that, that does get angry. <laughs> he's a God of love, but he's a God of righteous anger as well. That's another contrast we see here. David contrasts the anger of God with the favor of God. If you've got your Bible still open, look at verse 4. He says, sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints. If you're a child of God, if you remember the day you drew the line in the sand and you accepted what Jesus did on the cross for you and you prayed asking him to be your Lord and Savior, if there's been a conversion experience in your life, you're a saint. Can I speak some bad English for you like I haven't already? You're either a saint or you ain't. All right? Now, let me dress it up a little bit. You're either a saint or you're not a saint. All right? And every single person alive today is either one or the other. They're either a saint or they're not a saint. A saint, the Bible says, we're to sing praise. And some people say, well, I don't like being called a saint, man. That just, yeah, I'm just not a saint. There again, if you're blood-bought, if you're a child of God, there's been a conversion experience in your life, you're a saint. Hey, by the way, it doesn't mean you're going to live perfect. There's only one time in my life I'm ever going to be a perfect, and that's when I'm in heaven. That's when I'm on the other side of eternity. Until then, I'm still going to mess up every now and then, just like every single one of you are. You ever been cut off in traffic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you at the, the line there at Walmart like we've talked about before? Mm-hmm. I know what it is. We're not going to be perfect until we get to heaven one day. But if you've been saved, you're a saint. We all right with that? You're, so you're either a saint or you're not a saint. You're either a saint or you ain't. But here Jesus is saying, hey, if, if you're saved, I need you to, I need you to sing. Sing praise. So let me ask you a question. And y'all know the answer. Did the person beside you or even yourself sing this morning? Hmm? Diane, I wonder if people were singing this morning. Sean, do you think people were singing this morning? And I know what some of you are saying. Preacher, you didn't hear me sing. Man, I sing like I'm in a bucket. I just sound terrible. That's why the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. All right, You may not be able to carry a tune, but he wants you to sing praises to him because, hey, who's worthy of our, of our praise? But the Lord. So, we're, so if you're saved, you're, you've got a song in your heart, and it's the song of the redeemed, and God commands us to sing. 
So, so if somebody around you wasn't singing this morning, tell them in Jesus' name that Jesus loves them, but they need to repent and get right with the Lord. They need to sing. Whether they can sing on key or not, they need to sing. So sing praise, the Bible says. Give thanks for his anger. His anger is but for a moment. But no, look at the last part. His favor. His favor. It's for a lifetime. Now, does our loving God, does our holy God get angry over sin? You better believe it. He gets, he has a righteous anger when I sin. He has a righteous anger when you sin. You know, sometimes we think even in church that the anger of God and, and my anger or our anger is the same. Now, there's, there's a Hebrew phrase for that. No way, Jose. All right? The, the righteous anger of God and our anger, it, it's different. He's a holy God. He's perfect. We're not. So, so but, but we see here that God, God gets angry sometimes. And, and in our anger, we sometimes go out of control and we say things and we do things in anger. And then we're thinking, why did I do that? Because, man, don't words hurt. Actions hurt too. And sometimes in church, boy, I'll try to go on a tangent here. Sometimes in church lie, people get all upset over things that just don't make a, they don't need to be getting upset over, right? You know what I mean? Hey, our, our attitude should be going forward, whatever it takes to see somebody come into the kingdom. It's what we want to do. We want people saved, don't we? I want to be able to plant trees upon the shade of which I'll never experience. But I want my kids and my grandchildren to, to, to be a, a part of a church family a part of a church life. That's what you want as well, where, where they're going to be seeing Jesus just come alive. Anyway, let me get back on track here. God's anger only burns against sin. His anger is a righteous anger, but notice that his anger is just for a moment. Y'all see that? Y'all see that? Look in your Bible. His, his, his anger is just for a moment. Y'all know what the word moment is or what it means in Hebrew? In, in all seriousness, look at me a minute. It means this. Y'all see what I did? Somebody in the back is saying, what did he do? I winked. I winked. That's, what, that's, that's, that's how long he stays angry at us. It's, it's basically what the Hebrew here means is that it's a wink. It takes a normal person three to four tenths of a second to do that. Now, some of us are blessed. We're getting older and our eyelids droop a little bit, so we can wink a whole lot faster, right? Y'all with me? Y'all glad to be in the Lord's house today? Just making sure y'all are awake. But that's how, that's how long the anger of God is towards me and you in his righteous anger. It's, it's just for a moment, just for a wink, if you will. But notice that his favor, how long is it? It's for a lifetime. And this old boy is going to live forever in heaven. So think about it. His anger is like a blink of an eye. His favor is for a lifetime. And then it comes to this verse, weepy may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's probably the, best, the most well-known verse of Psalms 30, right? But oftentimes it's the most misapplied our misquoted verse, and I've even been guilty of misquoting it before. Here's what people might say to you, quoting this verse, and they mean well. They really do mean well. They may say, man, joy will come in the morning. Pastor, I know this day's hard, but joy's coming in the morning. I have said that to myself on a number of occasions when I'm in a dark place. Hey, joy's coming in the morning. Tomorrow's a brand new day. Or you might hear people say, well, look on the bright side, or Things will get better. Or then you have somebody that's more philosophical than you and I might say something like this. Uh, it's always the darkest before the dawn. All those people mean well. But this verse isn't about a positive outlook here. 
What this psalm is saying is that when we weep, we will experience the anger of God, but it's just for a moment. It's brief, but it's favor. It's forever. Joy comes in the morning, so take heart and be glad. That verse reminds me that there was a day in the disciples' life when they were weeping. There was a day in their life when they took their Savior off the cross. His lifeless body, dead weight in their arms. And they put him in a tomb there outside Jerusalem. Because you dare wouldn't bury him inside the holy city. You had to bury him outside the city gates there. And they watched as that tomb was sealed up. And then they walked away. And for, for, for putting yourself in their shoes, they had to be thinking, man, it's over now. And maybe Peter was saying, well, I might as well go back to fishing. Maybe somebody told Matthew, all right, Matthew, get back to the tax collecting books. Over and done with. Y'all think they were weeping at this particular moment in their life? I guarantee they were weeping at that point. And weeping endured for that night, but guess what happened? Joy came in the morning when Jesus arose, amen? So when you know Jesus as Savior, his anger has turned from us and his favor shines upon us so that his joy might resonate within us no matter what might be going on in our life. So just know that God's favor overcomes his righteous anger. You've got a loving Heavenly Father that loves you. He's not going to be angry with you forever. But let me, let me tell you another reason we ought to have joy in our heart, and that is that his grace overcomes our pride. Now, that's none of you, I know, right? But it's a number of people that struggle with the issue of pride. Look what verse 6 says. David says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. That word prosperity in the Old Testament, just about every time it's used, has a negative connotation to it. It's a word that means not just having what you need, but you're pretty conceited about it. You've got not only what you need, but you've got enough of what you need. And that's what David is saying. It's as if David is walking in this palace. He's like, man, look at me. Look what I've done. Look at my home. Look at my administration. Look at my family. He was pretty proud of himself at this moment. And God showed him that his circumstances could change any moment. Look at verse 7. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. I'll remind you, God's grace overcomes our foolish pride. There are times in our own life when we think like David, man, we've got it made. We're living life on easy street. My 401k looks good. My house is about paid off. I don't have any car payments whatsoever. Kids are all making good grades in school. I'm fit as a fiddle, so on and so forth, right? That's probably a stretch right there, right? Fit as a fiddle. But y'all know what I'm talking about. There's times in our life when our own pride comes in and we sing the old Baptist hymn, I shall not be moved. <laughs> I'm joking, right? All right, just, just making sure I'm joking with you guys. But here's what I've learned when it comes to pride and when it comes to joy. In fact, I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Here's what I learned. There's only one place pride and joy can coexist. Y'all ready? That's it. <laughs> That's the only place pride and joy can, can coexist. If you're filled with pride, you're going to be empty of joy. But if you're full of joy, guess what you're going to be empty of? You're going to be empty of what? Y'all are an above average congregation. Yeah, pride. You're going to be empty of pride there. So God uses certain times in our lives when he shakes us to remind us, hey, you, we really need him. Boy, have we ever been shaken? <laughs> have we been shaken now because of uh, this coronavirus and this pandemic and this tw year 2020? I think God's shaking us. He's reminding us we really need him. And David experienced that in his life. 
But not only did David experience that, there's somebody else that experienced it too. Keep your finger here in, in Psalms, but, uh, but the light is up so you can turn with me. And I want you to turn with me to, uh, to Daniel. And, and I know I cheated. I had my, my page marked. But keep your finger in Psalms and turn with me over to Daniel chapter 4. There's another person that was very prideful. And his name was Nebuchadnezzar. That would be a really good name for a Doberman Pinscher, Nebuchadnezzar. I wouldn't want to say it. Come here, Nebuchadnezzar, but that would be a really good name for a dog like that. And God got a hold of Nebuchadnezzar. We read about him in Daniel chapter 4, so you can be turning there because I want you to see something here. It's kind of neat, and if you're a teenager in here today, you might find this unique as well. Nebuchadnezzar was one bad dude. He was a wicked man. And not only was he a wicked man, he was a powerful man. So, so he, no one rivaled him in power. No one rivaled him in wealth. And it really went to his head. So if you've got your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 4, let's pick up at verse 29 and just see how this man was really shaken by God. At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, now he's talking to himself, but man, is he prideful. Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Y'all see a problem with that? I don't think there's not a more prideful statement in all of the Bible. Then pick up at verse 31. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar. I really wonder how it sounded. (laughs) O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men. Now, this is interesting. You shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox and seven periods of time shall pass you until you know that the most high rules, until you know that I'm in charge, Nebuchadnezzar, the most high rules, the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Now, Now, what's interesting about those words there is basically this. One moment, you got Nebuchadnezzar, uh, a bright guy, a very powerful guy, a very handsome guy. Everything seems to be going his way, if you will. And the next minute, insanity takes place. There's a word for that, monomania. It's like it was part of his brain that functioned as a human, another part of his brain functioned as an animal. In fact, if you really were to dive into this, and I might be mispronouncing this word, but let me just give it to you anyway, it's the word lycanthropy. So what happened to old Nebuchadnezzar here when God is shaking him, reminding him, hey, you're not in charge, I am. Not only does he go insane, he begins to act like a Jekyll and Hyde type fella, if you will. The word lycos means wolf, and the word anthropos means man. So it literally becomes like he becomes a wolf man, which I think is kind of interesting if you read the text literally like that. That's how much God hates pride. And that's how much God shook a man like Nebuchadnezzar. And he shook Daniel as well. He humiliates the prideful to bring us back. Now, I know that blessed your heart. So you can leave Daniel chapter 4 and turn with me back to Psalms chapter 30. And let's pick up at verses 7 through 10. Let me just ask you to peruse that, if you will. Because he got to the end of his rope and he turned to God and he said, I thought I could never be shaken, but you, O Lord, have shaken me. So the question for you this morning is this. Will you continue in your pride To do it your own way, as Frank Sinatra would say, or would you humble yourself and cry out to Jesus to experience his joy? Because this is the last thing I want to share with you this morning. I think I got ahead of my slides here, and that is that God's joy overcomes our sorrow. God's joy overcomes our personal sorrow. Another contrast we see here in verses 11 and 12, and I'm almost finished. 
He says, you've turned my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth. That's what they wore when you were grieving or when you were repenting of sin. And he says, you've loosed my sackcloth and you've clothed me with gladness. So he's gone from being sorrowful to, to being glad. He's changed his whole attire, if you will. And, and, and then we see here in verse 12 that my glory may sing your praise and, and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So David is praising God because God has brought him, brought him through it. He's brought him through that sorrowful season, and now he's going to rejoice. So, so, so what can our response be whenever we're in a situation like David? Y'all ready? So let's get practical here for just for a minute. What you can be, what your response can be is this. Because God gives me joy, I'm going to give to him joyfully. And, and honestly, I didn't plan on doing this, but, but um, I've got my tithes and offering here because if I don't have it out, I'll forget to put it in the box up there. And I just want to thank you for giving to the Lord because not only do you support the ministries of this church, you support ministries greater than this church, missionaries, uh, people that we put in places that are hard to reach. We put them there because you're faithful in giving. So because God gives me joy, I will give to him joyfully. You know, when um, Steve, when I gave my heart to Jesus as a kid in RA camp, we sang a song, we sang a hymn that I'd never heard sung before in my home church. But it's in the Baptist hymnal called Because I Have Been Given Much. I don't think we ever sang it in my home church. And I was there every Sunday because Mama always had me there, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know what I mean? So um, I, don't, I never recall us singing this hymn, but Because I Have Been Given Much, and as I look across this room today, every single one of us have been given much. I too must give. So just maybe because God gives me joy, I'm going to give to him joyfully. And then another thing we can put into practice, practically speaking, is that because God gives me joy, I will look to him expectantly. Man, I hope when you come to church on Sunday mornings, especially you expect for God to show up, that you're prepared for God to show up and and, and that you're not going to seek to find your joy anywhere else. He's the source of your joy. And then thirdly, because God gives me joy, I want to spread his joy contagiously. Now, now don't spread the coronavirus, okay? If you're having the symptoms of coronavirus, stay home. But if you, if you don't have the symptoms, come back to church, wear a mask. We want to see your smiling face. And I know for some of you that are wearing a mask this morning, you're smiling, right? Yeah? Okay. You can shake your head up and down if you are. I hope you are. But, but basically, that's, that's how this psalm ends. Because God gives me joy, I will spread his joy contagiously. And I hope when you leave here this morning, you're not going to leave here like this, right? I hope when you leave here this morning because you praise and worship the great I am that you're leaving here with a, with a song in your heart. And as the holidays come, and they will come, they're right here, right? I was pumping gas in Florence this week, pumping gas. Christmas music was on. Man, it's here. And y'all know with the holidays, things are going to get busy. And all the folks from who knows where is going to come to your house, like Cousin Eddie, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right, so we got to be prepared. And I want you to leave here with joy. Now, I gotta, as I close this morning, y'all are going to help me close my sermon. Scary, isn't it? I can guarantee you, no one's more scared than yours truly. All right? But y'all are going to help me close my sermon today. Because I believe if you take part in this, you'll leave here with an attitude of joy. Y'all might be leaving here saying, boy, that guy, he's something else. 
He can't sing worth a lick. Yeah, I'm with you. You probably can't either. (laughs) But we're going to sing this morning, okay? And we're going to sing a stanza. We're going to sing a couple of stanzas. I don't know. If my clicker works, we'll sing a couple of stanzas. But at the chorus, all right, all eyes on me for a minute. We're going to sing the chorus. And if you're physically able to, you got to participate, all right? This is going to take you back. This is going to take you back to when you, you were Hannah's age and younger, all right? So when I do this, all right, all the men's got to stand up when I do the chorus, right? And if you can't stand up, lift your hands up. If you don't want to stand up, lift your hands up. When I do this, what's going to happen? All the ladies are going to stand up. I hope I don't get them confused. <laughs> but when I do this, the ladies are going to stand up. And if you don't feel like standing, just raise your hand, all right? But here we're going to go. Steve, I can't believe I'm doing this. All right, here we're going. Y'all ever heard this song? Yes. All right. Steve said yes. Well, that's good. Don't, y'all don't leave me hanging, all right? So here we go. Y'all sing it with me. We're going to do it Acapulco style, all right? acapella style. All right, here we go. I may start low, but that's all right. I can't sing worth a lick. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one I'm living for. Boy, that's high. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. All right, another stanza. Every day with Jesus, I'll be walking down the King's Highway. Let's pick it up. Tell me the old, old story. I love it better every day. Hallelujah. I will make you fishers of man if you'll only follow me. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I'm from sin set, you're from sin set, we're all from sin set free. All right, y'all did good. Now, here's where we're going. Y'all ready? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Ready? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. All of us, praise ye the Lord. Hey, let's thank you guys for doing that. Let's thank the Lord. Y'all may be seated. There ain't no way if you sang that song, you can leave here without a smile on your face. You know why? Because we serve a God that gives us joy in our heart. Whether we can sing or whether we cannot sing, no matter the circumstances we're going through, he gives you a song in your heart. And it's a song of joy. Let's pray. Father, um, <laughs> oh, I doubt your church family and my church family thought of that this morning. <laughs> what a way to end a service. But Lord, what a way to end a service. Uh, you give us a heart full of joy. And for that, we are eternally grateful. And Lord, I thank you that when we think of coming together as a church family, yes, there's times to be serious, a lot of times to be serious. But Lord, I think if you were here among us, you'd be singing that song too, and you'd be smiling just along with the rest of us. You'd be smiling at this pastor, thinking that he can sing on key, and he certainly can. But Lord, one day I will. And Lord, I pray that whenever that day comes, as I look across this congregation this morning, as I pray that every single person, young and old, will be in heaven with me. Lord, I want them to have the joy of the Lord as their strength. I want them to have the peace that comes with knowing you as their Lord and Savior. 
And Lord, at the same time, I'm sensitive to those that might be struggling this morning. And they may say amen to everything that's been said, but in their heart, they're struggling. And they just don't feel thankful. Lord, will you just, um, will you just encourage them today? May they feel your presence in their life. May, you feel, may they feel your love just wrapped around them. Lord, may they experience your peace. May they experience uh, your joy as well. Reach down your arm that's so strong and bring them up as you did David. And Lord, I pray again for those that might be in this room that need to know you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, perhaps they've never asked you to be their Lord and Savior. Maybe today's the day. And Lord, I just pray at the end of the service, they feel like they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. They'll see me, they'll see Trey. They'll come see Bill, they'll see Steve, they'll see one of our deacons and say, hey, how can I make sure I'm going to be in heaven? We would love to talk to you if you're not sure. Lord, I have no idea what you may or may not do uh, as we close this service today. This is the time when we respond publicly to what you laid upon our hearts. And Father, maybe what you've laid upon our hearts to come to this altar and pray. To pray for those individuals, perhaps, that, um, that I shared. To pray for somebody on their own heart that needs Jesus and needs a touch of your hand upon them. Lord, maybe you've spoken to somebody about just the, the joy it would be to be a part of a local church family. And Lord, we're not perfect. Their pastor certainly isn't perfect. Their student pastor certainly isn't perfect. We're not perfect, but we serve a perfect Savior. And Lord, um, this church is a loving church. And we want to see your kingdom come in heaven as it is on earth. So, Father, um, for those that need to respond this morning publicly, I pray that you'll just give them the boldness to do that because they'll encourage somebody else if they respond. But, uh, Father, we give this invitation to you. And uh, whether we respond publicly or privately, may you receive the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you to stand to your feet.